My name is Keith Beavers, and I'm on my fifth espresso. Woo! What's going on, wine lovers? Welcome to episode 8 of Vine Pair's Wine 101 podcast. My name is Keith Beavers. I'm the tasting director of Vine Pair. And how are you? Are you doing well? You doing well? That's good. Okay, so now we know how all the wine is made. We're done. JK, we're just getting started. Because now we got to talk about what that, what, you're, what are you looking at? What is that? What does that say? It, I can't understand it. Can someone please help me? It's a, what a wine label. What's on the wine label? How do we read a wine label? This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Prophecy Wines. Beautiful inside and out, Prophecy Wines captivates the senses. Heads turn for our striking label art, but the real magic is on the inside. I mean, isn't that really what it's all about, guys? On the inside? Prophecy delivers some of the most intriguing wine styles from around the world, like French Rosé and Italian Pinot Grigio, with flavors as exquisite and complex as the artwork on the label. A lot of artwork on these labels, guys. With Prophecy Wines, there's always more than what meets the eye. So don't be afraid to delve deeper. Explore our portfolio of beautiful wines and discover your prophecy. You know, it's just one of those nights. You're feeling it. It's a it's a weeknight. You're like, I want a bottle of wine with dinner. So you call your significant other. And you're like, yo, let's get a bottle of wine with dinner tonight. What do you say? And they're like, oh my God, that sounds like a great idea. You're like, cool. I'm going to stop by the wine shop on the way home and pick up a bottle. And they're like, are you sure? Like, yeah, I got this. So you walk into the wine shop on the way home and you, you walk in, no one's really helping you. So you go to the shelves and you take a look and you're like, okay, all right. So what do we have here? We have a, almost has a kangaroo on that label. There's a label with a grasshopper. Okay, don't know what that is. And then there's, um, okay, there's a, there's a sketch of a castle. That's romantic, I guess. And that's old school, maybe. I don't know. And then is that, that bottle has a sword on it. What does that mean? And then, okay, is that like, what is, I should have taken French instead of Spanish. I don't know what that says. And is that an abstract art? Like, I don't even know what's it. How do we read a wine label? Can anybody help me, please? Yeah. I feel like reading a wine label has the same anxiety at- attached to it as, smelling a wine and trying to describe it. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of the same thing. You're, look, you're, you're trying to describe, to, to describe a wine that your brain's trying to understand. This is in the first couple episodes, guys. And then now you're looking at a bottle you've never tasted and trying to understand it that way as well. So this, this is like these two mysteries of wine enjoyment <laughs> that is just kind of weird. One is when you're actually buying it. The other one's when you're enjoying it. Those are the two mysteries? Really? When you're buying it and when you're enjoying it? Thanks a lot, wine world. And because wine is made all over the world in all different kinds of countries and states and just all kinds of stuff, there's all different kinds of stuff that can be on a wine label. So when you're walking into a wine shop that represents wine from all over the world, it's intimidating stuff. I mean, you're, you're looking for familiarity. You want something that you are familiar with that makes you comfortable. And fortunately today, more and more wine labels are doing that because they understand. <laughs> but international wine trade has been around for a very long time and it took a while for the wine industry to kind of like kick in this sort of like okay it's going to be okay here's all the information you need enjoy the wine the best the best way to understand a wine label honestly guys and this is i'm just going to say this to get this out of the way i might say it again throughout this series but the people that are at the wine shop it's their job to know all the things 
and every question is not stupid and you should be able to work through a conversation and to have a dialogue with the person who's selling you the wine. And by the end of that experience and the end of that transaction, you should be like, I'm confident that what I bring home tonight is going to be that bottle I was hoping for when I was clocking out. But that's not always the case. I understand. Sometimes you're either in a rush and you don't want help or there's just no one to help you out or you're in a supermarket where they don't really have, they have an aisle and they don't really have anyone to help you in that aisle. And I'm sure when you're looking at all these labels and people that get over, if you get overwhelmed, which is completely understandable if you do, my God, the amount of wine out there is insane. It can look like a whole code that you can't seem to f- decipher. So let's let's decode the wine label. You know, at one point there wasn't even wine labels. Imagine that. Imagine just like a glass <laughs> bottle with a cork in it. And you don't know who it is until you take the cork out and look at the, the, the branded uh, producer on the cork. That's why when you go into high-end restaurants, you look at a wine list. Sometimes they'll have a bin number on there, B-I-N with a number. Back in the day before wine labels, bins were used to identify a winemaker. So, for example, in a wine cellar, would be bin one would have this particular chateau and a bunch of bottles of that particular chateau in that bin. So if you see bin on a wine label on a wine list these days, that's what it was for. It's archaic. It doesn't mean anything anymore, but... That's the way wine was once identified before wine labels. Then the international wine trade started kicking off. And around the 1860s, people really started going, okay, we got to identify ourselves. So they had, they, they, there was this glue that they could use that would adhere to labels. And most importantly, the glass. And it was their, you know, the glass bottle. And it was their way of identifying themselves to local restaurants as well as the trade beyond. All right, let's decode this stuff. So when you look at a wine bottle, the first thing you'll notice is there are actually two labels on the wine bottle. There's the label that catches your eye on the shelf, and then there's that label on the back with all the legal junk on it. The label on the back with all the legal junk on it and all the words and all that, that is actually the main label of the bottle because that label with all that information on it is what, it's like the passport for the, for the bottle. It's what allows the bottle to legally move from one market to the other and be sold in distribution channels. And it's kind of boring. I mean, it's not like totally boring. There's stuff on there that you'd like to know. You probably should know. But we'll get to it. What's really more important to you guys, I think, is the more fun part. The, the front label or the other label. Uh, the not main label or the... You know what? I'm going to call it the retail label because that's what we all look at. The retail label. So for wine labels, I look at it like this. There are... There's the old world and then there's the new world. The old world which is basically all of Europe, is a place where wine has been around for a very, very, very long time. And there are rules that have been in place for a very, very, very long time. So the, that, and so the labels that come from Europe are often the ones that confuse the hell out of everybody, right? The cursive and this, this what's a chateau and a domain and all that. The new world is a term used to define wines from outside of Europe. Basically, all the places Europe got on boats and explored and tried to conquer. So that's South Africa, the United States, Central America, uh, you name it, uh, New Zealand, Australia. That's, this is the new world. And it just so happens that the new world, wines that come from places outside of Europe, have very kind of, uh, not very, but much more lenient rules than European rules. Therefore, there is more room for creativity to express yourself and your brand in the new world with wine labels. And that's even kind of general because these days the lines are a little bit blurred because branding is everything, right? Even wineries or producers in Europe who adhere to these very traditional rules with their labels and with their wines, 
they still have their playful wines these days that will have really fun, creative labels on them that kind of grab your attention. There's a couple of things that happened throughout the years. For example, in the 1940s, the Rothschild family were commissioning, I think they commissioned an artist. I don't know what the artist, who the artist was, but they commissioned an artist to do a piece on one of their bottles and it became a collector's item. And this kind of started a trend of, you know, sort of these images on bottles in Europe. Also in the 1990s, early 90s, the Italians, uh, uh, created a new designation in their wine rules to allow for a little more creativity in wine while still getting prestigious awards or, or, or designations. And these, they're called IGTs or Indicazione Geografica Tipica. And these wines were more creative in style. So the wine labels kind of got a little more creative. But that's the European way of, of how it figured out. Here in the United States and, and in the New World, we've been doing it since the get, just like putting whatever we want on the label. But Whatever we want to put on the label, there are certain things that have to be there. So let's talk about the five things that are on wine labels. So no matter where you are and what shelf you're looking at and what bottle you have in your hand, you're, you're going to kind of know exactly what's going on. So no matter what bottle you're looking at, you're always going to see five things. You're going to see a producer's name. You're going to see a region. You're going to see a variety or an appellation. And you're going to see a vintage or it'll say non-vintage for sparkling or not even... And then there's going to be something called ABV, alcohol by volume. So you're going to, you're going to know how much alcohol is in it. The producer name is often the first thing you're going to see on a wine label. It often ha gets the biggest real estate on a label. And the producer could be a person. It could be a family. It could be a brand. It could be a celebrity doing a third-party thing. But so it's going to be a couple things, but you can just know that like the usually often, not always, but often the largest font on a wine label is like, I made this wine, or I paid a lot of money for somebody to make this wine. The next thing you're probably going to notice, because after the producer's name, they're going to want to let you know where they thrive and make their awesome wine, is the region. And for New World Wine, of course, it's going to be a little bit easier. Underneath the name of a big font winemaker, you're going to see California, or you're going to see Oregon, or you're going to see New York, that these are regions. In Europe, it's a little bit different because, like I said, there are so many old school rules there that you're, you're, you should often be able to see the region in which the wine is made. But the region in which the wine is made is often a name that you may not recognize. Another reason to have a good relationship with your wine merchant. Because what can be a little bit confusing is the more information you have about the region on the wine label... The, the closer and closer to a specific site the winemaker is trying to let you know that they are sourcing their grape from. For example, under a producer name, you see in smaller print, California. That means that winemaker is sourcing grapes from all over the great state of California to make their wine. Now, let's say you look at a label and it doesn't say California, it says Napa Valley. Well, you know that that wine is in Cal made from California, but also specifically in a region called Napa Valley, and the grapes can come from anywhere in that region of Napa Valley. See how we're getting closer? Now, now let's say that winemaker wants you to know that they own their vineyards and their winery and they do everything on site. They don't source them anywhere else. Sometimes you'll see something called a state or a state bottle. That's honing in even further, like, yo, we control everything. And to focus it even further, winemakers will often have a vineyard or three or whatever they think are so special they make a wine just from that vineyard. It's what we call a single vineyard wine. And it's often a little bit more expensive, but underneath the producer name, you, won't, you will see the name of the vineyard. And it's often either a number or some sort of fantasy name because if a winemaker loves the vineyard, they often name it so that they, that 
gives it an identity so we know going forward, like, oh my gosh, this is the blank vineyard. Oh my God, I love the blank vineyard wines. And in Europe, they do the same thing. It can just be a little bit more confusing because we're dealing with different languages here and different traditions that have been around for so long. In Europe, underneath the producer name, you, you, you'll usually see what's called the PDO or the Protected Designation of Origin, which is basically the appellation where all the rules are put in place so the wine can have a legacy. Let's say I have a, an estate, a winery. It's called Tenuta Castori, which means Beaver's Estate. And I'm in the Chianti Classico region of Italy in Tuscany. So on my wine bottle, you'll see my producer name, which will be Tenuta Castori. Then underneath that large font will be the PDO, or the Protected Designation of Origin, which at this, in this case is Chianti Classico. So Chianti Classico is the designated origin from which the wine is made. In Europe, you may also see what's called the PGI, or Protected Geographical Indication. So what's happening here is this is a wine. So I have, in Tenuto Castori, I make my Chianti Classico, but I also make wine that's against the rules, but I still like to sell. That's called wine that is just a designation of the area in which I'm making the wine. This is where you see, the in Italy, it's called the IGT, Indicazione Geografica Tipica. But you can also call it Vino de Tavola. In France, they call it Van du Pays, the country wine. Or in Spain, they call it Vino de Tierra. And these wines, these fun little PGI wines, these are, these are the wines in Europe that'll have sort of the fun creative labels on them because they're, they're, they're a winemaker's way of just kind of being playful among these very strict rules that Europe has. And often they'll give them some sort of fantasy name, something that ties, a name that ties the, the, the wine to a family member or something that's special to them because it's usually a special wine. Sometimes it'll just say the name of the grape that's in the wine which takes us to the next thing you're going to see on a wine label, the name of the grape that's in the wine. <laughs> and this is the most, it's always been the craziest thing for me, the most fascinating, weirdest thing about wine labels for me is that the grape that you see, if, if a grape is mentioned on the wine label, it does not have to be 100% of that grape in some places. For example, if you see a, a bottle from the United States that says Merlot on it, it only has to be 75% of Merlot. The rest could be whatever to get to 100. In the EU, it ranges, but it's usually about 85%. But then there are other places like Argentina where like, if you say Malbec, it better be all 100% Malbec. Don't mess around. And the next thing you might see prominently displayed on a wine label is the vintage or the harvest year. And we all know what that means. We're veterans here of Wine 101 Podcasts. We listen to episodes one through seven. We know what's going on here. But sometimes it says NV or non-vintage. And this mainly applies to sparkling wine. Remember we were talking about in the sparkling wine episode where they can blend from previous vintages? So you can't call it a multiple vintage wine. They call it a non-vintage wine. And there, are, it's not often, but sometimes you'll find a still wine out there that is non-vintage. In my wine shop for years, I had a wine shop for a long time, and I actually sold a non-vintage red wine from New York. It was awesome. I sold it for years. It was so cool. Sometimes during a vintage year, the winemaker, whether it's by the rules of the region or whether they want to or not, sometimes they'll hold the wine for a certain amount of time before they release it onto the market. They don't believe the wine is ready yet. And this is what's called a reserve wine. And this is very much a European tradition. So if you see a Spanish wine that says reserva or you see a Italian wine that says reserva, <laughs> same word, um, it means they've held the wine longer those wines tend to be a little bit more expensive. 
because they've had to reserve the wine in their inventory before it's ready yet. So you get it, right? Now, what's really tricky is outside of Europe, the reserve thing doesn't mean anything, really. I mean, well, there's no rules in place outside of Europe for reserve wine. And if there is, it's not very well known. So if you see reserve on a new world wine outside of Europe, it's just a personal decision by the winemaker. And you don't really know what that reserve means unless you know that winemaker and why they say reserve on it. So sometimes it's a marketing thing and sometimes it actually means something case by case. One other thing you might see in a wine label and it's pretty much for sparkling wine is the dosage. Remember we talked about the dosage in the sparkling wine episode. They will definitely say that on the label, extra brute, brute, dry, extra dry, stuff like that. But one thing that I really love about wine labels, one thing that is, is my favorite thing on a wine label, my favorite thing is the alcohol level. Yeah, man, ABV, alcohol by volume, that's what's up. I mean, you guys know, we talked about the whole sort of full-bodied thing, you know, that episode. Well, if you want to know how light or full-bodied the wine is, it's right there in the alcohol percentage, which is by law has to be on the label. How cool is that? Now, the thing is, Sometimes it's in extremely small print, and sometimes it's just like somewhere. But as you know, if on the label it says 13.5% alcohol, you know that's gonna be a perception of more of a medium-bodied wine. And if it goes up from there, I think we all know what happens, a full-bodied wine perception. So, so those are the main things you're gonna see on a wine label to help you out. But wine is confusing, and so I must say, <laughs> that that back label, the, the, the legal passport I mentioned in the beginning, that label, there is a significant amount of information that's required by law to be on that label. And each piece of information sometimes will have its own font requirement. And then after all the legal stuff, there is the health warnings. Um, there are the importer must be on there. The, uh, the the address for the importer. There's a thing with a there's a number that starts with an L. That's an item number. That if there's a complaint or something wrong with the wine, you can trace it back to the importer or where it's from. All this stuff has to be on there. And sometimes once all that's done, that back label still has room on it. And that's when you'll start seeing little descriptive blurbs that don't help you at all with the wine. Like this wine was inspired by Elvis. I don't know. And it pairs with peanut butter and jelly. Maybe it does. I don't know. But more importantly, everything you see on the retail label could actually be on the main label if the winemaker wanted to and there was room. So you're not going to see all of that. But what you might see is the alcohol level may not be on the front label. It might be on the back label. The, the estate bottled thing might be on the front or the back label. Certain things can, they can move things around if they want to as long as they've had the required information on the back label. So it's confusing. But just know that the five things we talked about are on that label and those five things help you. There's a lot of wine out there all different languages, all different cultures. Oh, it's so much awesome wine out there. Once you get to know regions, you'll understand the labels even more. It's going to be great, guys. You're going you're gonna to love it. I think you're going to love it. If you're digging what I'm doing, if you're picking up what I'm putting down, go ahead on iTunes and give me a rating. You can even subscribe. Tell your friends to subscribe. If you like to type, maybe a review. Let's do everything we can to get this wine podcast up there so everybody can learn about wine. I'm having a blast. I'll see you guys next week. Check me out on Instagram. It's at VinePairKeith. I do all my stuff and stories. And also, you've got to follow VinePair on Instagram, which is at 
Vine Pair. And don't forget to listen to the Vine Pair podcast, which is hosted by Erica, Adam, and Zach. It's a great deep dive into drinks culture every week. Now for some credits. How about that? Wine 101 is recorded and produced by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mellon. I also want to thank Daniel Grinberg for making the most legit Wine 101 logo. And I got to thank Darby Seaside for making this amazing song. I mean, listen to this epic stuff. And finally, I want to thank the Vine Pear staff for helping me learn more every day. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Prophecy Wines. Beautiful inside and out, Prophecy Wines captivates the senses. Heads turn for our striking label art, but all the real magic is inside. Prophecy delivers some of the most intriguing wine styles from around the world like French Rosé and Italian Pinot Grigio, with flavors as exquisite and complex as the artwork on the label. With Prophecy Wines, there's always more than what meets the eye. Don't be afraid to delve deeper. Explore our portfolio of beautiful wines and discover your prophecy.